Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. Today I'm joined by my friend, Pastor Matt Bach, and we are going to talk about the coronavirus. This global pandemic has prompted a disruption to American life that is unlike anything most of us have seen in our lifetimes. How can we respond? How can we be the church when the church is unable to meet? How can we shine the light of Jesus in these unprecedented and uncertain times? All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 22 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Brian Kiley here with the man, the myth, the beard, sitting at a safe social distance from me, Pastor Matt Bach. Matt, how's it going? It's uh, it's going good. We're, uh, we're going to have some uh, interesting uh, conversation today. I think interesting conversation for interesting times. Yep. Um, this is the thing I keep saying over and over again, and I said it. I first said it to my my dad on Sunday night. We were FaceTiming when ordinarily we'd be together for dinner, and I said, "Where we are now would have seemed crazy 24 hours ago," <laughs> and that's happened about four days in a row. Yep. So it's just wild. Yeah, and it's that's been wild. my number one response when people are like, "How's it going?" I'm like, "It's interesting. It's just interesting." <laughs> like. And I think it's because there's a lot of processing going yeah. on for everybody in so many different ways and shapes and forms. Yeah, absolutely. So how's it going? Just okay. So before we get into kind of broader issues, like you and your family, how, how are you guys dealing with this? How's how, how are things in we're kind of your headspace? We're and- actually doing pretty good. Um, you know, like obviously there's a lot that's changed up for kids, you know, not having school, but they were going into a weekend anyways. So right. that, that, I don't think that's hit yet. I think maybe yesterday, today was kind of going to be when it, the reality starts um, playing out. But, uh, you know, just as we're, as we're doing stuff, we're, uh, we're just trying to be proactive with the time. Um, we, we kind of went and bought some puzzles on Friday. And so that's kind of been just like, we're all trying to put together a big puzzle piece with this on a, <laughs> on a massive scale. Like as a family, we're just been putting together these puzzles and, um, you know, have having conversations and, and, you know, there's watching some shows and, and, you know, just trying to find ways to be encouraging to one another and to people we know and checking in on people. Yeah. So how about you? How's your family? Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. We're doing okay. Kind of similar. It was sort of yesterday was the first kind of quote unquote real day since like you said, we're we're going into a weekend. I think we're doing all right. I mean, we've got, uh, so you have the three kids. We have, we have two minor, minor, a little younger than yours, but in, you know, close, close enough kind of, kind of range. And it's, obviously been a little bit disorienting, but I think everybody in my household is doing okay. We're all healthy. We're all, you know, being safe, observing best practices and everything else. I think personally, the pace of change has been so rapid. And even we're sitting here recording this episode and so much more is going to change by tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. The pace of change has been so rapid that there's honestly part of me that's almost grown a little bit numb to it, Mm -hmm. where even in the course of exchanging text messages with our colleague Jeff Eberhardt last night, just what we needed to do, I felt like in the span of a half an hour, changed substantially. And I, I personally am pretty comfortable with change, so I don't get too rattled by it, but just change on this magnitude yeah, has been pretty pretty shocking because well, it's been slowly like like you said slowly but then rapidly yes it just things change that we're so used to being in control of so yes. like suddenly you're not having church services in the building suddenly you're not having these suddenly trips that you have planned or things that you're going like i just yeah. i literally 30 minutes before this got an email that a conference that i was supposed to go to for my schooling in June has been canceled. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, like yeah. that's like, like things now pushing out. My sister gets married in April and now they're already having to talk about postponing that. And, yeah. and so I think all these things that we're so used to, sometimes it happens occasionally in life yeah. to everything. And then even um, Pastor Cliff, our high school pastor and I were talking yesterday about, so for so many high schoolers, they're in these spots where seasons of prom yeah. and seasons of coming up towards graduations um, and, and these things that are these massive parts of their lives um, are suddenly not going to be there. Yeah. And, and then people, so, so everybody's dealing with that. Like it's change and it's, and it's not like, it's not so crazy, but it's because it's so many repetitive crazy things or, right. or just differences. Like you said, you start becoming numb and kind of just getting agitated, yeah. but not knowing exactly what to do except follow instructions yeah. that are being given. Yeah. Follow the instructions, which the instructions are do nothing. Yes. <laughs> Stay and home. that is incredibly hard for right. me. That is incredible. That is incredibly hard. So 
I want to talk a little bit. What are some what the, sort of the point of this episode is is we want to talk about just how as Christ followers can we respond to these crazy times in a in a manner that is healthy, in a manner that's honoring to the Lord, in a manner that kind of leverages the opportunities that are here. So to start us off, Matt, why don't you just just lead us into what are some key truths that we need to remember as we continue to navigate these confusing times? Yeah, I, I think the first one that everyone you know kind of knows, but it's hard to let it apply right now, is to look at this aspect of what they call in theology God's providence, right? Yeah. The fact that God is in control. Yeah. Um, it's really hard for us to say those terms when we feel like we're out of control. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those beautiful and yet difficult things. Yeah. Because uh because what's going on within that is that we're so used to setting up life and culture yeah. so that we're in control. So yeah. now when it comes out of our control, we not only start kind of panicking a little bit, yeah. but then we start questioning God's control. But the the issue was is that even when we thought we were in control <laughs> before yeah. all of this, there was still God's control. And so there's so many scriptures that continue to tell us that God is working on the 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 30,000 foot level as well as he's working in the day-to-day in the minutia. Yeah. And uh, and to come back to all the scriptures that keep saying that and being reminded of that and, t- and saying that to one another, um, you know, when things seem out of control, to be to be reminded that God is in control. And what does that look like um, with economy? What does right. that look like with what's going on with uh, the, the amount of cases? What does that look like um, with stuff in Italy? What does that look like with things in China? And so on and so on. Yeah. I think about, as you were talking, I was thinking about, Isaiah 26, verse 3, that says, you keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Mm. Uh, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And and I think about this idea of God's providence does not mean that everything is always going to work out perfectly in, mm-hmm. in, from our perspective. It does not mean there will not be tragedy. It does not mean there will not be hardship or pain. But it does mean that there is a good and loving God who is above all of it. And what he does is he offers us his peace that when we remember his providence, uh, and I'm not trying to be cute and clever here, when we remember (laughs) his providence, it can give us a sense of peace. And that's obviously something that the world is lacking to a significant degree. And it's something that we can have as Christ followers, not not because our situations are perfect, because I recognize for a lot of people, I mean, here we are sitting about sitting talking about doing puzzles and watching shows and playing games and spending family time. I realize for a lot of people, this is a wildly stressful time. Yeah. But to recognize kind of wherever you're at on that spectrum, there's peace to be had in the midst of it because of God's providence. Yeah. So, so what else? What are some other what some other things? Yeah, I think uh, I think another piece that we have to keep telling ourselves and, and encouraging one another with is to remind ourselves that God is present and He is near within all this yeah. and that God does not look on this and and take joy in it. Um, he, he actually is very present, a part of it. Um, and that's where like, first you always want to go back to the gospel message, which is the fact that with God sending his son, with Jesus Christ coming down, taking on flesh, dwelling among us, that he went and, ex- and entered into suffering with humanity. Right. That like when we're going through this and let's say you're somebody that you're dealing directly with the sickness. Right. Let's say you're dealing with someone that's close to you or you're dealing with like you know you're you're trapped on a on a ship or you're trapped in a quarantine. Like to to be reminded that Christ is there present among you and that scripture reminds us of that that he mm-hmm. in Isaiah 53 it says he has borne our grief and he's carried our sorrows. Yeah. Um and and it goes on to how he's always also taken on our sin but I think we sometimes almost overemphasize that part and forget that he's also experienced the anxiety, yeah. the panic, the hurt, the fear. Yeah. Like he's he's been in those um and yet he was God with flesh. And yeah. so in sharing on that suffering, that gives us a huge perspective. Yeah. What are your yeah. thoughts well, on that? Well, no, I think just, yeah, exactly. To, to recognize that, that God has entered into human history. So the, the heartbreak, the challenge, the mystery of, of human life is not foreign to him. I mean, obviously he, I mean, you know, on some level he's got, he experiences it differently, but to say that he has experienced the the sorrow and the pain of human life is, is profound, I think. And to, to realize that God is not, I mean, that's, that's part of the, the beauty of the incarnation, right? Is this idea that God is not, 
entirely distant, that he has come and he has walked among us and he has borne our grief and he, he understands what it is like to be human, um, which I think is, is exactly right and super, super comforting uh, yeah. in the midst of all of this. Anything yeah. else you want to share or kind of core ideas you want us to Well, yeah, remember? like I think another one that to me is, is really important, and it's a book that I go to more often than I think I realize, and it's the Book of Lamentations, which yeah. if, if people aren't tracking on what the Book of Lamentations is, it's actually a very poetic little book. Um, that's all about the suffering that Israel went through when Jerusalem was attacked and destroyed by Babylon. Yeah. And you're like, hmm, that doesn't seem like a very positive and Delightful. hopeful book. But it's actually this book that takes people through a cycle of how to process grief and sorrow and tragedy, and and that's both personal and communal. Yeah. And, and so I really like that. But but the, the main part always in that book is chapter three is like a chapter that ends up repeating itself in a way three times, but it looks to the fact of the God who is going to enter into the hope. Hmm. And and I really like that because that's the other perspective when we're talking about God's providence and we're talking about his nearness. Um, it's to be able to understand that God is always looking for the end of this, yeah. just as much as we're looking for the end of this. And so Lamentations 3, 25 to 33, I'm going to kind of give a paraphrase of it. It says that God proves to be good to the ones who passionately wait, to the, to the women who diligently seek. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. And when life is heavy and hard to take, sound familiar, go off by yourself, enter into the silence. And see, the yeah. go off by yourself even applies even more here, right? Um, bow <laughs> in prayer, don't ask questions, wait for hope to appear, don't run, take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master, the Lord, won't ever walk out and fail to return. Hmm. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. He stockpiles His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard and throwing roadblocks um, along the way. Uh, and, and so I, I love that because there's so many just rich nuggets there. It's Lamentations 3, 25 to 33 yeah. um, that just give us a perspective of God's moving us through something to get us to the other side. And again, that doesn't mean things are going to be perfect, yeah. but that he's moving us to something that's better than we realized before we entered into it. Yeah. Well, and I think even you talk about lamentations, uh, you, you could say this uh, certainly without this crisis, but but on, on some level, it seems culturally we've sort of lost the ability to lament. You're right. Right? That we know how to complain. We know how to whine. We know how to blame shift. We know how to argue. I'm a professional but at all those. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good I'm at those I'm trying to learn too. more lament. I yeah, yeah. I don't mean to brag, but I'm pretty good at those too. Um, but this idea of, of honest lament before God, that that is not just in Lamentations and Psalms and other places. That's, that's just a part of a life of faith. Yeah. And to be able to just acknowledge before God, God, things are not as they should be. And, and that doesn't seem right to me. While at the same time, kind of to your point, acknowledging God's presence in the midst of that, uh, it doesn't have to be either it's all gloom and doom or it's like because we have faith, we think everything's, you know, we're looking on the bright side of life all the time. Like there's room in the life of faith to just lament. Yeah. And to trust in God's presence and lament in the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see the psalmists, especially, they're they're like duly optimistic and pessimistic. Right. But it's not a pessimism. It's it's this lament. It's yeah. this it's this ability and permission. And this is one of the things I encourage people all the time is you are given permission in scripture to cry out to the Lord in distress. Yeah. And to say honestly how you feel with the rawest language that you can express. Yeah. And that always encourages me because it means that God knows that we're human. Right. He knows that sin is a context of our world, but he knows that in relationship we are near enough that we can say how we feel and and hear from God yeah. within that. Amen. And I really I really I really appreciate yeah. that. No, that's really good. Now Several years ago, when you were the the high school pastor here at Bridgeway, back in the day, back in the day, when your beard was shorter, that's not even true. Yeah, no, it was. When you were the high school pastor, you did a series with our high school students called "Without." Now, I know a lot of what we've been through in the last days, kind of week or two now, has made you think about that series and sort of its, uh, for lack of a better word, kind of relevance to what we're going through right now. Tell us a little bit. What was the heart behind that? series and how does it relate to what we're going through right now? Yeah. Um, and I hope that there's a few students that were in the ministry back then that graduated that are listening to this that remember, <laughs> because I think that makes it all the more powerful. But um, it came from this heart of knowing that we do all these things in church, these externals that we have, and we think that they're necessary in order to do church. And so I know one of the things I wanted to do for teens was nurture something where they could learn that they can encounter God without all the externals. And what I meant by externals is the sound system, the lights, 
the uh, the room, the air conditioning, the comfy chairs, like even 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 the staff. And so what happened is throughout the process, it was a thing where we did it, did it was five weeks and each of the five weeks we would scale things back. So the first week mm. we took the chairs out of the room <laughs> and I think we uh, we uh, didn't have lights on or something like that, but we still had a sound system and we had lyrics. Okay. Then the next week we took away the sound system and the lyrics. So it was acoustic. We had no lights. Like we, and I literally turned the breakers off in the building. <laughs> so we had no lights. Um, and then, uh, and then the third week we actually went outside of the room and when the students showed up, everything was locked and we met in the parking lot of wow. the church around fire pits and we did it by class. And then the fourth week we actually stripped away the staff and I had all the staff go and work uh, or have a, like a get together at one of the staff homes and me and another staff stayed on campus for liability reasons, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of creepy because I watched them all on videos, uh, <laughs> video cameras. But we basically left the 80 or so students in the room and said, hey, there's no staff here tonight. You can do church, though, without staff. Wow. Like you have that ability. And it was really awesome to watch students step up. Some shared testimonies. They led a song. And then they broke up into small groups. And one of my favorite pictures, Brian, of all this was – there was I have a picture of a video of the video camera shot of one of the small groups of a whole group praying over one of the students. Wow. I think it was the junior class back then. And that was powerful to me because it was that reminder that they they could they could do this because it's the spirit of God, it's the word of God, it's the people of God that come together. So yeah. as to yeah. to so kind of keep going, um as this all came together, um it it became this piece that like I realized we didn't need the the all the stuff that we've been doing like and, yeah. and it's they're they're beneficial but yeah. we didn't need it so when we had to make the decisions to not have church and to right. go wow like we're watching this on tv and we're not in homes it took me back to this and i shared this with a couple of you because this was one of the the quotes i, I had in my message that i did on the first week as i said hey i wanted to do this for a long time um, because the reality is is that one day maybe in my life maybe during your life things will change freedoms will go Hardship will occur and you will not experience church as you do it now with all the externals. Yeah. And I was like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then I said, will church community and faith and the spiritual experience lose its appeal without all of this? Yeah. And, and, I, and I liked that that was part of the challenge and the question back then because I think we're, we're dealing with it now. And praise the Lord, we have the technology that even, you know, we're recording podcasts right now, right. cameras. We have an amazing creative arts team that they're able to make something available for people. But even when we're going, okay, I can't go to a church building. I can't hug people. Right. I can't talk to them face-to-face. What does that all look like? And yeah. and can God still work with it? And the answer is a loud yes. Yeah. And uh, and so that's why that was meaningful to me. I, I yeah. don't know. Tell me yeah. if you what you think about all that. No, I so. think that's so that's so important. And 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 to something you, you you mentioned, it's not that the external stuff is bad. It's wonderful yeah. to have a building. It's wonderful to have technology. It's wonderful to have to have lights and sound and all the things that we're able to do as we gather corporately. Yeah, Those we brought them are, all back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, yeah, we, yeah, you brought them all back, and we, you know, Lord willing, we'll, we'll bring them all back once kind of we're we're through this season. But I think that recognition of okay. On some level, we rely on these things a lot. And what does it look like to practice our faith without them? There's some benefit there. And it's, it's neat how even just little things that I'm seeing, whether it's missional communities just getting more in touch with one another. You know, I mean, even <laughs> last night I just texted my missional community and was like, Hey, how's everybody, you know, first day off of school. How's everybody doing? Anyone else's house looking like Lord of the flies just yet, you know, and we're just <laughs> texting back and forth some different things and hearing, hearing throughout our church ways that leaders and staff and class teachers and missional community leaders are seeking to maintain and develop community and to think creatively about it yeah. in the midst of of all of this is really powerful and really beautiful. And that's even part of the point of this podcast is to think through, okay, how do we practice our faith without, you know, without all of this stuff? And yeah. then to kind of turn the corner on that, okay, how do we respond to these global events in a way that is, that is helpful, that is Christ honoring, that is, that is spirit led and, and all of that. So yeah. I, I want to talk us through a little bit and we can go back and forth on this. Uh, Ed Stetzer, who is a kind of a famous voice within the Christian world, 
wrote a, a really good article on his his Christianity Today blog, and the headline is, Christians, This is Our Moment, mm. A Call to Clarity and Mission. And then the subtitle is, There's No Need to Panic, But There Is Need to Plan Well and Wisely, Protecting Our Church Family and Serving the Community in Jesus' Name. And I want us just to talk through a few of the things that he recommends and a few of the things that he recommends avoiding. So he says, uh, he says first of all, that it is crucial that Christ followers seek expertise not personality. What, mm. Why do you think that's important? I, what, what do you think about that first? Because I know you have something on your mind on that. But. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, sorry, I'm throwing it sure, back sure, to you. Sure. But no, it's, that's uh, fine. But I mean, I mean, it's so often, especially in our social media age. Uh, a the the loudest voice wins. Yeah. Too too often, and then B we tend to be drawn towards particular personalities, whether or not those personalities truly have our best interests in heart, at mm-hmm. heart. And it, it's very easy to package something, to make it look slick, and to make it seem presentable and believable when, in fact, it is not. So uh, I, I have, I, I mean, and this is something I've talked about on episodes of the podcast. It's something I've talked about on, on, in sermons. When Christians don't tell the truth— mm. That is devastating to our witness, right? So if, for example, and I, I harp on this all the time, if you're unwilling to tell the truth because of your political beliefs, that dramatically interferes with your ability to, to be taken seriously when you talk about Jesus. Yeah. That's a huge problem. Yeah. Um, that's just one example of many. But, but I think that what's key is that we are relying on the CDC. We're relying on our county health officials, our state officials. Yeah. We're relying on credible media, not, you know, my grandma's brother, sister's uncle who went to the ER once says that if you gargle salt water, I mean, it's just like, come on. So, um, and, and so the, the point yeah. is we need to make sure that we are communicating credible information, that we're believing credible information, and that we're not simply being drawn towards personalities who reinforce what we already think, reinforce what we want to think, and who, whether we agree with them or not, may or may not have our best interests at heart. Yeah. I wonder if uh, sociologically someone's going to go back after all this and kind of do a really um, thorough, I hope someone does, so if you have a, if you want to do a good PhD <laughs> project, anyone, uh, a good comparison between the H1N1 and in this case, yeah. because and the reason why with the with the COVID nineteen, because the reason why I think that's important is because that had millions, like hundred over a hundred million, I think it's like one hundred seventy million yeah. cases worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of those starting in the Americas, Central America and North America, and yeah. stuff like that. And the death was high. The death toll was high, but the response was nothing like what we're seeing here. And a lot of people have said, oh, they're different, they're different. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the media influence, but yeah. even the role of social media in 2009 versus 2020. Yeah, not Because I think that's what you're talking about yeah. is this is where there's we're so much more driven to personalities, to connections, yeah. and what they say, post, mention, share, than we are to what information is disseminated. And so, and, and this is only one factor, sure. you know, like yeah. I don't want people to think that we're saying, oh, we're, we're comparing the two. No, like we're talking about the the media influence, the the personalities like yeah. you were saying that are talking about. And, and you and I, I know have chatted about this, that like one of the things that is always like such a catch for me is I, I love research sure, and I love vetting information and trying to figure that out. And to me, sources matter so much. Yeah. And so when I see people quote stuff and this includes news channels when yeah. i see news channels quote stuff that i'm like where are they getting that because that's not what i'm reading from yeah. verified credible sources that starts rubbing me and i and i have this like draw that i have to go and like do these research pieces that i don't have time to do and uh and and so really i'm always encouraging people when you're looking at stuff look at their sources and sometimes if they don't post them that should already be a flag yeah. for you. But not only that, look at their methodology on how they get their information. Yeah. And again, you're like, well, how am I supposed to find that? It, it doesn't take long to yeah, do a few more pretty, Google searches. It's pretty easy. And then what's their purpose? Yeah. Because some of them, their purpose drives the way the information is interpreted. And, and yeah. you and I were talking about this a little earlier today. It, a lot of information is there. There's data but it's how you interpret the data. right? And so someone can read one thing and have one conclusion. Someone can read it and have another conclusion. And same thing with experiences. Yeah. So that's where you have some people that go, well, my experience with this doctor has been this. And right. then someone else goes, well, I had an experience with this doctor. And so it makes my interpretation like this. And then you're going, <laughs> okay, well, who's right? And I think people don't like that. So we would rather just have somebody 
just say it and we're going to read these sources yeah. and uh, and then we go with the people that are trust but i mean to go back to what you were saying earlier as christians when we're resharing stuff yeah that we have to be very cautious with that and yeah. and make sure we are clear enough and asking those same questions. What are my sources? Yeah. What's my methodology and what's my purpose? Totally. And are we using it to encourage? And I think that was Ed Stetzer's purpose with yeah. that first point yeah. in his uh, in his article. Yeah. Um, he also yeah. talks about seeking clarity, yeah. not impulsivity. What do you What did you yeah. think about that section that yeah. you talked about? Well, I think that there is in in times of crisis, it's easy uh, it's easy to have this uh, just to reuse the word. Uh, sort of, uh, well, I'll, I'll quote what he says, uh, to frenetically chase activity. Hmm. It's like, I just need to do something. I need to text someone. I need to share something. I need to say something. And it's, and like on some level, I'm not urging complacency here, but I think that uh, he advises, he says, take time to think through what fears are at work in your heart and in your community. Write them down and think through how best to respond in ways that are constructive and God-glorifying. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, Matt, but I've had, I don't know, one, maybe two times in my life where I've had the impulse to do something and then on second thought thought, you know, maybe maybe not, <laughs> right? And of course, I'm kidding. I have that. That happens all the time. So, so this sense of, okay, I recognize that we're in unprecedented times and I feel this urgency to action. And sometimes inaction is the best thing because it allows us to really think through issues as opposed to simply reacting. What yeah. do you think? Uh, it's, uh, it's no, it's no irony that, uh, James says in his gospel, be quick Wait, to listen letter in his letter. I Thank know you. you're an old Testament guy. Let uh, me explain you're right. the new no, 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 no. That's, you know, the, the apocryphal um, gospel of James, uh, the evangelium. Just saving uh, you an email from a listener here. That's all I'm trying to do. Uh, in his letter, uh, when he says, be, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Yeah. And, and, and although he's talking about our responses, both in, in anger and other things, it's that whole thing of going, Hey, slow to speak, slow to post, <laughs> slow to text, yeah. slow to write. I mean, there's a lot of us that we know that we have probably thousands of things that we wish we wouldn't have texted in the moment, yep. written in the moment. And again, this is where that aspect of prayer, when we were talking about lament, to know that you can turn with something that you would love to say to someone else yeah. or a bunch of people and say that to God first. Yeah. Like, every, like, do that. Let that be part of your prayer and see how God responds before you feel like you have to go and publicly put that out. Yeah, no, that's really smart. And then uh, there are several things he, he talked about, but just one more thing and then we'll move on. Yeah. He talked about hope and not fear. Yeah. Uh, this this to me is a is a obviously important distinction, but even within that, we need to kind of nuance those things a little bit. But uh, what does it look like, uh, just from your point of view, to pursue hope instead of fear? Well, well, fear fixates on worst case scenario, and and I'm a worrier. I usually would go there, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so so hope starts taking us into another spot where we start going, what is my how am I seeing the full picture, right? Yeah. And and so hope goes, okay, what I'm in is not an eternal condition. Right. And because fear, that's what fear does, is it makes us think that what we're in is an eternal condition, but this is a historical event. It's mm, a circumstance. Yeah. Um, there were good things before, and there are going to be good things to come. And so we're supposed to live in that hope yeah. and not let it, because fear takes us into this descent of tragedy yep. and in this abyss of turmoil and and it doesn't take you to truth. It takes you to more darkness. Yeah. And and hope goes, no, there's still something more. And mm -hmm. when I keep going, there's something more. I start going, what would that look like? What would yeah. it look like in a month, in two weeks, when there's something more beautiful, yeah. wonderful, rich going on? And if we go, well, that's not going to happen in the economy. No, like you have to envision that. And that's not a... a a false or an empty optimism. Right. That's hope. That's right. looking forward to how we've seen God work before at the end of hard, hard things. Yeah. No, your, I think you're thoughts? right. Well, and I think that there's, there is, there is wisdom ultimately is what we want in, in all of this. And certainly unrestrained fear, uh, is not wise for the reasons that you, you gave us and is, and is really unproductive. Now, I think we can be concerned about what's happening around us. And I'm not saying that it, like any sort of negative emotion is, is somehow wrong or yeah. sinful or shows you lack faith. I mean, we're human beings and, and things are hard. But I think that we can have hope to, like you said, that that God is present and at work. God is going to continue to be present and at work. This is a historical event. Uh, I forget the, the the old saying that all of history could be boiled down to the phrase "This too shall pass." Yeah. There's there's something to be said said for that. Now, in saying that, 
I think that the direction a lot of us can go as, as Christians that is that I would say is is almost in some cases as problematic as as fear is sort of a naivete, right? Like I I, I got a fair amount of not eh, not a fair amount, a little bit of criticism from different people when we decided to hold online services only, which it's so fun. I mean, things are changing so fast. Now you look back at that and you're like, duh, of course we're doing online church. Whereas <laughs> at the time it seemed, it seemed crazy, yeah. but kind of people saying, well, wait, you're operating out of fear and not faith. And I'd say, no, no. First of all, do you buckle your seatbelt? <laughs> right? Like we, we are meant to use wisdom for our safety all of, all of the time. And we can be hopeful and we can have faith while at the same time recognizing that God has called us to look at the world with wisdom and to make wise choices about what is best for ourselves, what is best for our church community and our, 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 our nuclear family, our faith family, our community at large. And I'm not, not necessarily in that order, but there's wisdom in that and you can have hope. The hope that we have is ultimately in Christ and that, he, and that God is present with us. But with that, we can have wisdom without, without saying that, well, in order to have faith, that means we just need to throw caution to the wind and keep gathering in large groups and all of this other stuff. And isn't God going to see us through and everything else? And it's like, well, yeah, God is going to see us through. But again, that, that logic breaks down very quickly if you try to m- turn that into an excuse to say that anything is permissible and we don't need to be careful. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it interweaves so much back and forth. I think the more yeah. I've thought about it, I've realized that there's this intertwining that happens between faith and fear that yeah. I think is healthy. Yeah, like, no, that's a good um, point. Because I think sometimes it's what's driving the fear yeah. that is really be- behind how we approach that question. Yeah. Because if the fear is based on stuff that's unfounded yeah. or or it's you're only getting partial information and we're allowing that to be a louder voice than faith, then yeah. we have to we have to check it, yeah. and that doesn't mean that you don't you don't be cautious, but right. you have to check your your source and your and your methodology. Uh, but then, if we're just going, well, it's just faith, and and that's always going to trump like like this or trump right. this or trump this. Like you, you have to be cautious with what kind of faith then are you using because. There's times where God clearly allows a certain path that to right. us would be negative. It right. would lead towards death. And you're going, do you have that level of faith? Because this is where I always like um, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. Yeah. Because they have a whole story where they go into the situation where they're, the king Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, like, like what God can rescue you. And they're saying, our God can rescue us. But even if he doesn't. We're still not going to bow down to the God you worship, yeah. and they're not saved from the fire. Right, like, like, and that's where you have to go. That was faith, but they weren't saved from it. They were saved in the fire. They had to go into the fire still. Right, and and that was still a level of faith. So, so that's like one piece that I I look at that and I go, okay, this this intertwining is so complex, and it's hard for a lot of us to figure out um, when. I, I know one thing that I've been stirring on a lot, and. And it's kind of leaning a little bit more into one side. And I don't know why my my spirit is doing this in this mm-hmm. season. But I think back to our worship prayer and healing nights mm. and and the things that we end up standing on in hope as we're doing our 40-day fast, as we're getting ready to pray for people in pretty tragic and sometimes life-threatening situations as yeah. well. And I look at that and I go, why am I more in a posture then mm. to take on some really grave things going on in people's lives but in this situation, I'm I'm such more cautious, dr- driven a little bit more by by fear that's being constructed by some information I'm getting that I don't fully understand. And, yeah. and so that's where for me, my, my personality, I seek more understanding because right. I go, I want to know where my faith should be based on the data right. and not let someone else take me there. And so again, I think it's always looking at what are our sources within that because for me, I haven't heard anybody yet, and this is probably because I haven't looked far and wide enough yet, but I haven't heard people talking about praying over people with the coronavirus, mm-hmm. right? Like, whereas yeah. in Worship, Prayer, and Healing Night, we're praying over cancer, we're praying over um, major disability, we're praying over... And yet, I haven't heard us... Yeah. I mean, and it's not that I'm saying, like, I'm Matt Bach, I'm going to go into the the place right now and go pray over someone that has it, that it would be gone. I, I would if I was asked to, mm-hmm. but... But like, I don't see us talking about that. And so that always makes me go, okay, Matt, like what's going on with my level of faith? Yeah. But at the same time, 
I think God's always going, what's going on with your level of fear? And yeah. Does that make sense? Like and that at the same time, if the opportunity to pray came, you would uh, appropriately protect yourself. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, you I, can pray I with I still think uh, you could wisdom. put gloves on yeah, you- <laughs> and you could put a mask on and you could put goggles yeah. on and uh, and then you shoot Windex all over yourself. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's the that's the solution right there. So uh, so kind of in, in, in light of that, let's talk a little bit about I think for, for so many of us, we're, we're asking the question, OK, uh, how do I be a Christian in this time? Not to say how do I maintain my faith in Christ? But I think this idea of how how do Christians seek the good of the city to sort of quote Jeremiah mm. during these crazy times? Because I think a lot of us, again, we're we're sitting at home. We're going, I can't go to church. Uh, I can't. Talk, we can talk to people. We can't go <laughs> physically be present with other people. Yeah. How do I even continue? Like how? How do I represent Christ in in all of this? What What does that look like? What What yeah. suggestions do you have? Um, I'm going to throw out a historical quote because those are always beautiful. They are. But Sir Thomas More makes this statement where he says, "The times are never so bad that a good person cannot live in them." Ooh, that's good. I like that. And 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 it's just this piece of going. There's always opportunity. Um, and especially for those of us that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, how do we go out and do that? Um, uh, my my first thing, and, and I'd love to hear some of yours as well, is to be available in all the ways that you can. And yeah. we go, okay, well, what does that look like when I'm limited to seeing people face to face and stuff like that? Um, I, I love seeing some of the ways people are expressing this on social media. Like there was a picture that just came into my mind right now of a guy that was visiting his father yeah. who's in an elderly home and it just shows him sitting on on the outside yeah, of the window of the glass, yeah. on a cell phone with his grandpa or his dad on the inside with a cell phone and just saying he still was present even though he was not able to have access and yeah. i go what does that look like you know like i'm not saying we should all go stand at each other's windows creepily and, and talk <laughs> but like but how do we make ourselves available how do we let people know that we want to inter- interact with them and not just isolate and shut up in our houses and yeah. post some memes generally for for a wider audience, but to be more specific. What what are some yeah. other thoughts you have? Yeah, no, and I, and I think to that point, I mean, I, I I said to our staff this morning, I said uh, make some phone calls, you know, yeah. today, tomorrow, the next day. Uh, we don't all need to call everybody, but we can all call somebody. Yeah, and and that's not like I'll just be honest, that's not a normal thing in my life. I don't call people just to say hey. That's yeah. just not a thing. Uh, you know, maybe I should, but I'll text to say hey occasionally. But but I think to to take the opportunity to, ch- to check in on folks, to say hi, to let them know you care for them, to, you know, pray for them if they've got needs or, or things like that. Um, I, I, I mean, I even, I, I included it in an email to our whole congregation yesterday, just said, hey, as you finish this email, who's one person you can call, text, whatever, just yeah. to, to encourage. And I think also it's important to recognize that one of the best ways we can show love to our community is by taking this seriously, mm-hmm. is that by practicing social distancing, by, again, being careful about what are we sharing online? Are we sharing with discretion and wisdom and accuracy? Uh, and then also, are we not feeding the hysteria, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think about for, for myself as a, as a young person, you know, healthy as far as I know, who is not in a high risk situation when it comes to the coronavirus. Now, it, the, the, the death rate of people my age is not zero, but it is very low. Yeah. I, I think about for me, the fact that I am practicing social distancing, the fact that I am going absolutely nowhere except for uh, here, my home, and the grocery store is an act of love to my parents. It's an act of love to my elderly neighbors. It's an act of love of those to those who are immunocompromised. So if if this all feels overblown to you, and okay, you are you are free to have that opinion, just recognize that going along with it. And taking it seriously is one of the best ways you can show love to your community during this time. It feels very counterintuitive. Like, oh, I need to be out doing something. Well, no, actually, you don't. Yeah, it's it's the doers. Like, people, I know I'm a doer. That uh, it it you have to change your rhythm yeah. so much more because you're used to being hands on um, in places. Yeah. I I know, kind of working off of both those points. One of the things I I keep encouraging myself and others is be mindful of those who are remaining diligent. And consider ways to pray pray for them. So there are people that they're not getting a chance to work in the same way, but there's a lot of people in hospitals. There's a lot of people at grocery stores, yep. at restaurants, that although they're having to navigate day by day, yep. they're there diligently. Like, yep. they're, like you know, Thursday morning, there's someone that's going to be picking up our garbage. They don't have that opt out yep. right now. Yep. Um, and and so how do I bless them, right? Yep. Like, uh, like, so for instance, I was blessed yesterday with some lunch and so then when I went to get a coffee yeah. at Pete's because I still wanted to support them, 
I made sure because I was blessed, I took what I would have spent on my lunch and I put it in the tip jar That's for awesome. the piece. And I'm like, one, I do love coffee, but like, <laughs> I I want to try to go. Hey, there there was three people there yeah. that were still working and and trying to keep some normality. And so, how do you how do you bless and, and acknowledge that and yeah. and check in on ways like yeah. I, I have this whole thing and it's again I'm a doer. Like I want to order pizza for some group of people, <laughs> so probably someone's gonna text me now and ask for it. But uh, <laughs> but you know, like I want to do something to bless people um, that I know are are still cranking it out um, and, and making things keep running because I think that's also going to be the larger health of the community economically. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I mean, uh, first of all, Lucian, our audio engineer, his eyes lit up as soon as he heard you say order pizza for somebody. So I think we found a taker if you really are wanting to do that. <laughs> but I mean, that's something like my family and I, we don't eat out a whole lot and we don't even really order in food a whole lot. I mean, every once in a while, but it's not a frequent thing. Certainly not on like a Sunday afternoon, but we decided to go out. I got takeout from a a restaurant in yeah. our town because for that exact reason. And now sanitized walking in, paid online, got the food, sanitized walking out, like yep. it was a very brief encounter. But we ordered lunch, we paid for it, we tipped well. And it's like, okay, I can't solve all the economic problems around me. I cannot save their restaurant, yep. but I can at least participate in a small way. And on some level, there are different ones of us who can who can do that in some some different and creative ways, yeah. which which I think is, is kind of cool. And if you need help. If you need that kind of encouragement, yeah. let other brothers and sisters in Christ, if you know other Christians, yeah. let tell them. Yeah. Say, hey, I'm having a hard time in my day-to-day so that they can encourage you. Because sometimes we're not aware. Yeah. And I know for me, I want to be more aware. Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to go back to, to those of us who – because like you said, for a lot of people – if anything, life has gotten busier, right? Uh, you, you talk about grocery workers and medical professionals and things like that. But again, for, for a lot of us, our, our lives are so disrupted and we have this sort of forced season of different activity, if not inactivity. How do we go about leveraging this disruption for good? Uh, yeah, I think one of the big conversations that keep coming up around us staff, and we've seen it with other churches is, yeah. and other leaders, is... Um, Everyone's kind of getting not everyone. A majority of people are getting a forced Sabbath. Yeah. And 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 you have to go back to what's the purpose of Sabbath? It's it's usually to cease doing yeah. certain things. Now, some of us would prefer that didn't happen. Right. Because for us, that's an economic loss. That's a um it's a hit on our personality because a lot of us our identity is tied up with our jobs. Right. It, and so sometimes we're going, no, 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 no. That's not I, I don't like this right now. But sometimes God needs to slow down some of us, and and sometimes there's other people that need that blessing, right? <laughs> that they need a Sabbath right now, um, and that's why I was talking about encouraging those people that aren't getting that because they they deserve it just right. as much, yeah. Um, and it's not something that's deserved. That's probably the wrong term, but yeah. But but yeah, we're we're experiencing a chance to capitalize on that. So that means yes, you're at home maybe because your kids are off and you have to be home more. That doesn't mean you have to work more at home. Yeah. I have to tell myself this because I overwork. Yeah. And I, I have to tell myself this. I don't have to work more. I can try to enjoy um, time with my family. I can try to spend more time listening to the Lord. Right. Um, what else do you think that, that happens when we have this um, obviously disrupted life rhythm? Yeah. No, I completely agree that I, and I like you, I don't, I don't do rest very well. And even when I like I'm okay with not working. Like I can disengage from work when I need to. Uh, although you know, my wife would say there are times I, I don't do great at that. But uh, you know, and, and she would be right. But but I think even my rest is very active. Like I like to go out to do and do things. I don't like to just sit around at home and, and this and that. So I'm having to learn even now. Like okay, I can't go to the gym. Okay, I can't you know go out and do something. Okay, I can't go to an event or thing. You know all these things I love to do. So having to learn a sense of rest and, and, and with that, I mean, I think we're still in a pretty busy work mode right now, a lot, a lot of us. So, so there's not a ton of rest in that, but, but learning to work differently. But I think you look at, um, kind of opportunities that exist for those of us who life has slowed down. First of all, to use my dumb catchphrase that I use all the time, what a time to be alive. We have a seemingly limitless uh, access to resources. And it's been kind of fun to see people share ideas for things like virtual museum tours or classes you can take online yeah, yeah, or yeah. podcasts you can listen to. Or, I, you know, sharing on my Facebook page, hey, here are just my four favorite books that I've read this year. What, what's something you've read that you've liked? The sharing of... Of, of, of information and the opportunity we have to engage with new ideas and to learn new things, even, you know, 
watching movies. I mean, things like that, that we just don't get to do. Yeah. Uh, and then I think with that opportunities to invest in our family and in our relationships, but here's, here's something crazy and I'm laughing, but it's really not funny at all. <laughs> What's crazy is so, uh, they're reporting right now that as life begins to return back to something even resembling normal in Wuhan right now, that they're seeing this surge in divorce cases as people are coming out of quarantine because husbands and wives and families are forced to be together. So it's sort of surfacing all of these underlying issues. Mm. And, and I think it's important for, for all of us who are married and have families to recognize you're going to be spending a lot of time (laughs) with your spouse, with your children, if you have them. And it is important both for us to learn to kind of regulate our own behavior, to recognize, okay, what am I doing? How am I responding to this stress? Am I doing so in a way that is honoring to my spouse, to my children? Uh, What opportunities to take offense can I sort of (laughs) let go, right? So we need to be really, I think, mindful of this is going to be a challenge because even with people who love each other and with families that love each other, that much time together starts to stir some things up. Yeah. Right. So, so I think we just, we need to be mindful and intentional about how do we make this a time of enrichment and blessing? I mean, we talk about, I've seen it also online that, you know, in nine months we're going to have a baby boom. And then 13 (laughs) years after that, we'll have the rise of the quarantines, which I think is funny because I love puns, but, (laughs) but I think the flip side of that is true is, is could be true as well, that this could be a very destructive time for families. So I think it's incumbent upon, all of us simply to be mindful and to be careful about that. And then yeah. on a, on a more, more positive note, I think just to let this time be what it is and to kind of go easy on yourself, um, yeah. to go back to what we were talking about earlier, this sort of urgency towards action. Like m- maybe you don't need to do anything today. M- maybe you can just rest. Maybe you can literally sit there and do nothing for 15 minutes and just be present before God and present to your own mind and yourself and how you're feeling. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. We don't have to do stuff all the time. Yeah. And I think that's good because I think that's sometimes the purpose of Sabbath is to, is to make you actually have to stop yeah. and, and listen for God yeah. and speak to God. Um, to piggyback on what you were saying before about homes, I, I think that's a huge piece because, and it goes back to when we were saying blessing those who are serving diligently, yeah. uh, there, are, there are spouses, stay-at-home dads and stay-at-home moms, yep. that this is, is actually especially hard because... It's like it's it's forcing this prolonged time and it's already taxing and it's already stressful. And and then you add all these other pieces in. And so, like, as husbands and wives, how do you how do you not expect normal at Mm. this time from your spouse? That's good. And what I mean by that is, like, sometimes we have expectations of our spouses that they'll accomplish something in their day or. And then when you get, oh, you know, this is a mess or why isn't this done? And 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 the problem is that now right now is not a normal. It's different. And so, like you said, to have more grace with each other, to help out one another, like you might be a spouse that was working that's now home and to go, how can I help and give my spouse a break? Yeah. Right. And, and how can and, I learn, you know, and, to yeah, recognize yeah. that there, there may be some patterns here that I don't normally engage with that I need to learn and understand so yeah. that I can be a help and not a disruptor. And teach your kids that too. Like I like that there's some of our staff here that they're teaching their kids how to do things that they don't know how to do. Yeah. Like we were teaching our, our uh, oldest who's 12 and a half, how to make um, uh, potato and broccoli soup with us. And That's we awesome. were like, you need to learn this because you're, you're going to be a high school boy soon and you don't know things. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, like, like, allowing these times um, to, to grow, but then allow some times to rest. And yeah. and again, not to just binge yeah. show watches, right. show watching, but yeah. So, and, yeah. And I think that's something to be careful of too, is, is on, it's, is on, on some level. Yes, we want to rest. And, and I think that that's all fine. And I don't think there should be guilt around just taking some time to just chill out and, and watch something dumb or, you know, whatever. But, but I think it, it would be unfortunate if that's all this was. Right. Where it, it, so I think that there's an opportunity that would be missed if that's what happened. Yeah. Um, Man, so many more things I wanted to talk about. And we're already (laughs) almost at our our hour. Real real briefly, could you give us any wisdom, insight? How do we talk to our kids about all of this? Because this is just wild for them, right? Yeah. I think, I think this goes back to what we were talking about with faith and fear. And uh, because our kids are watching how we handle situations. Um, And so they're watching. Our amount of time we were on, we're online looking at information, yeah, and uh, they're watching the anxiety levels, which sometimes we can't control that, and we understand that, yeah. Um, they're watching all those pieces, and so that's where 
you sometimes have to be able to compartmentalize yourself yeah. to go with my kids. I need to really <clears throat> display faith, not a yeah. false faith. Right. Don't force it, but to go, here's the things I know are good and true and right. And I'm going to let them know that. Um, and I'm going to allow my venting or my concern to go to the Lord. Yeah. And, and, and so that's, that's one thing. I mean, I try to share with our kids and, and I know that some of their teachers do this as well the realities of our history and culture. Mm. I, I'm a history person, yeah. so I always like to remind them, like, stuff like this has happened before, right? and and people have gone through it. Um, you know, we, we, we are covering new ground for the last two decades, right? but we're not covering new ground in human history. Yeah. And, uh, and there's things that we're doing better, and there's things we're doing worse. And right. so then, again, it goes back to the how can we be – uh, good people in a time like this, right? Yeah. Um, can we, how can we be a good person living in, in this time? And then, you know, how yeah. about you? Yeah. With your kids? No, I mean, I, I agree. I think to, to recognize that you are the leader and there are appropriate places to express different emotions. And I'm not saying you need to be fake, like you said, but but I, do, I don't think it is helpful to have our children be the place we process our our deepest fears in the same way that you don't process your marital problems with your children. Right. I mean, that's an extreme example, what? but you get what I'm trying to say. No, Matt, you shouldn't do that. Oh, it's not recommended, okay. but, you. uh, but, but I do think to, and to whatever extent we can to maintain some level of normalcy. Uh, I think it's been funny seeing these things online where they have the, the color coded hour by hour, plan for the day for kind of how you manage a day with children. And then I saw somebody on, I don't know, Facebook or Twitter or something said, there is no one more full of false hope than the person who thinks their kid is going to follow a color coded <laughs> schedule for this entire quarantine. But I do think to have some measure of, of normalcy to help them see, again, God is present and at work, uh, that there's that there's value in all of that. Yeah. So they need to see structure. Yes. Um, especially younger kids. They need to see structure that they're familiar with. Yes. Um, because at this point, there's no need for it to be chaos. Right. Even if you believe in your mind, there is. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. you know, and I think the kids feel it the most. Um, I was reading someone's blog last night that people feel it the most when, like, you have younger kids and you go for a walk and they see a park and they see other kids and they want to go play. And you're like, no, yeah. you can't. And yeah. those are the things that you you have to try to provide some level of structure to help them process that. Yeah. Because that's different. Kids can't understand. Younger kids especially can't understand that, totally. whereas we're being protective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How? What are some specific ways that we can we can pray in the midst of all of this? And then maybe even what are some scripture passages that, that we can look to? I know we've brought up a few in the course of the of, of the podcast. So maybe let's let's focus more on the, the prayer side. But if you have some some passages to share, that, that'd be great, too. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I know my continual prayer is, is that, you know, this would decrease. Yeah. Um, we know that. There's a there's a shelf life for how long the virus, when it's out, can be out. It's like four to six days or something like that. And that even when someone has it, how quickly it can go through. I, I, I pray that that shortens because yeah. just like um, viruses can morph and sometimes become more dangerous, they can also morph and become less. And so yeah. I pray that, that it would decrease yeah. so that that spread goes down. Um, you know, praying for the health of people that are stuck in situations, yeah. um, praying for people's anxiety and fear, and yeah. then... You know, the thing I keep asking is, God, give me the words, um, give me the things to say to people when they ask and, and ways to encourage them. Mm. Um, I, I know yeah. those are a few things. How, how yeah. about you? That's good. I mean, it's completely echo everything you said. And, and I think also we can pray for for the glory of God in the midst of this, yeah. right? For and Revival. Pardon, yeah, revival. And I mean, pardon the cliche, but the church can shine brightest in the darkness, that, that there is... There is opportunity hidden in this challenge that 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 man, it would be such a bummer if we missed it. And I don't think God's gonna let us miss it. But I, I just something I, I'm I'm praying is that we would be fully present in this moment, engaged with what God is doing, and that all of this disruption would reorient us in some good and healthy, healthy yeah. ways. I think that that's a, I mean, that's just a real potential right yeah. here. Like uh, how the church will mobilize. Yeah. I, I, I like you have that written down somewhere as well about the church mobilizing a minister. And right now it seems like that's limited. Yeah. It will be really interesting to see how the church approaches this when we're on the other side of it. Yeah. Because if we all just try to re return to what's normal for us personally, we're missing a big yeah. opportunity. Yeah. And, uh, and so this is where I think radical generosity and, and, and loving generously is really right. going to be 
key yeah. for, for Christians. And, you know, we pray for that, that people would be spiritually ready for that. Yeah. And, uh, and that those that are doing it would be inspirations and encouragements and give their heart behind yeah. it because there's some people that they, this is when they thrive in the body of Christ more because that's their heart of serving. Right. Um, there's a, there's a girl on our staff here that's, you know, going around giving gifts right. to people. And that's such a blessing yeah. because that's part of her spiritual gifting and yeah. she's starting it already because God's tapping on her. Right. Before that. Yeah. Just, and then that's a beautiful example of just one person leaning into their gifts and, and using it to, to bless others. So yeah. last thing, uh, we'll move into the, uh, wild speculation part of the program. Obviously <laughs> none of us know what's coming none of us know what tomorrow looks like let alone six months or a year from now but just wildly speculating here what kind of long-term changes do you think we're going to see from this so many directions to go on that uh i mean i think the one that a lot of people are watching because they care um maybe we can say too much but i understand it um is the economic impact um on a lot of families and businesses uh i think a lot of things will will shift and Again, watching how we can be a part of that and uh, as consumers and as people that um, care about more than just ourself. Like, so this is where seeing how we function within selfishness, yeah. even as Christians, is is a key thing. Uh, I, I'm concerned about how people experience church because although there's a richness and a blessing with everyone going online, mm-hmm. uh, it can become very comfortable. Yeah. And then people go, this is easier than yeah. having to really do church. Yeah. And so that that's a that's a concern that I think a lot of people have been watching and and wondering. I know a positive one I look at is revival. Yeah. Like I go, hey, what if this is the thing that the Lord uses to get a lot of people to go, I need someone, I need the Lord to give me a foundation and clarity right. for these things in my life. I don't know. What are right. some for you? Yeah, I, I think that uh, certainly the economic impact is going to be profound, and it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, I know Congress is even talking today about a big a big stimulus bill, something to help small businesses. They're talking about things just to help kind of your ordinary working person. Uh, but the the economic impact is going to be, be pronounced. I mean, certainly older people who are now looking at retirement accounts that are 30% lower than they were a couple of weeks ago, and, and you know, small businesses that are operating on a small margin to begin with and how that affects us societally, I, I, I just don't know. That that remains to be seen. Yeah. I, I think I'll be interested to see. I've had that same thought that you shared when it comes to folks getting comfortable with online church. And that is certainly a possibility, but what I, I think the opposite is also possible as well. I mean, I, I imagine when we're able to reopen and I know that there'll be some hesitancy from those who want to be, you know, a little extra cautious, which that's all good. I yeah. certainly don't don't fault that for a moment. But just I, could you I mean, I, I don't I'm getting goosebumps thinking about us being together again. And I think that that's going to be such a powerful time for people that if anything, man, I'm praying that the opposite happens, that all of a sudden this idea of like, OK, like, hey, praise the Lord for online church. Glad we have it. But man, I want to be with people. Yeah. yeah do I, I miss people? And... Do I miss being together? Yeah. And and then also kind of more positively, I'm 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 really hopeful for for two things. Number one that this will help us recognize the value of telling the truth. Uh, because part of the problem, I mean, this is a this is a wide-ranging problem for a lot of different reasons, but part of the reason it is becoming the problem that it is, is, is uh, key leaders were not uh, truthful about what was going on initially. Now, hindsight is twenty twenty. I recognize I didn't need to make those tough decisions early on, so I'm not going to sit here and, and, and indict particular people. But I am going to say, uh, even up to this point, uh, we have wildly different perspectives on what's going on that are based on things as silly as, again, political views, religious views, things like yeah. that. And and that just hurts people and it hurts society. We have to be people, especially as Christians, who care about telling the truth and telling the truth uh, at all costs. And I don't, you know, I'm not going to beat that horse, that, that <laughs> dead horse any longer. We've talked about that quite a lot. But I'm also hopeful that just this sense in which we have this uh, increased sense of solidarity when we're not fighting each other for toilet paper rolls, I'm feeling... <laughs> I was wondering if it would come I'm up. Feeling, there you go. So. Uh, hour into the episode. I, I feel like there is this sense that we're all kind of in this together. Mm-hmm. And I'm hopeful that we can see that expand into other things. That just sort of this general competitiveness that tends to exist in a lot of different arenas of life. And I'm not talking about fun competition at things like, you know, trivia games or sports or whatever. I'm talking about just this kind of just sense of rivalry we have with our fellow human that hopefully that can fade away a little bit. And we can recognize that, uh, 
whatever our demographic is, whatever our ethnicity is, whatever our political views are, whatever our socioeconomic status is, on some level, we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't mean we don't debate ideas or discuss, you know, circumstances, but we're in this together. And and that can I think hopefully be something we remember once things go back to normal. Can I can I leave us Please with a closing do. thought? Please do. Um I think uh I think one thing that's going to be rich is that uh we all have a chance to kind of set the soundtrack to what uh these last the, these upcoming weeks are going to be like, yep. and uh, and I don't think we realize that sometimes we're we're playing the wrong soundtrack, the mm. background music. That's good. Um, I, I think Psalm twenty seven is a, is a really encouraging one to keep in your mind and to let it be your soundtrack because it's about bravery, it's about courage, yep. it's about dependence on the Lord. And so I'm just going to read it for us as Love we finish it. off here. It says, um, "The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear?" The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And I'll finish with this part. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Amen. 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 There it is. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. Love your neighbor by staying away from them (laughs) for a little while. And then call them. Wash those hands. Pray. Leverage this opportunity. That's right. Give your neighbor a call as well. All right. We love you. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.